Arthur. Okay, now. <laughs> hey, I meant, to, I meant to do this before uh, the, the singers, praise team singers got off the stage, but uh, uh, standing right here, Dave Kearns and Doreen Noriega, and I just wanted to let you know that how much I appreciate them for singing, but also to let you know that the next time you see Doreen, it won't be Noriega any longer, will it? Oh, her and Julio getting married this coming Friday. What an exciting time. They both love Jesus so much, and it's so incredible to watch that relationship come together. Folks, be praying, please, for, for Pastor Dale. He, um, I don't know if he just ate something or what, but he, he and the commode are worshiping together this morning. He's bowing at the altar. <laughs> and, uh, and so, Pablo, I know you're trying to figure out, what's the senior pastor look like? Well, next week, okay? Next week, it'll be there. It'll all be good. I'd like to talk to you about prayer. That's what pastor intended to do. That's what he will do, I'm, I'm quite confident, next Sunday when he returns. But I'd still like to talk about prayer. You know, prayer started a long, long time ago. Um, Genesis, the fourth chapter. The Garden of Eden, you know, God created, and then there was the Garden of Eden. There was Adam and Eve. They had a communion with God that was, that was unhindered and as pure as it could be. They talked to and listened to and walked with God in the garden. And it was perfect until sin broke that relationship. And, and the communication with God was then not able to be so fluid and so comfortable because there was a barrier of sin. They left the garden. They had Cain and Abel. You remember the story of Cain and Abel, uh, how they couldn't get along, brothers. And sin rose up inside of Cain and he murdered his brother Abel. And then... Uh, Adam and Eve have other children, and one of them is named Seth. And you get right to the very, the, the fourth chapter of Genesis is about Cain and Abel and Enoch and Seth. And, but you get to the last verse, verse 26, and it says, At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Why'd they do that? This is way before Abraham. This is long before Moses. Why is it that all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, it's recorded for us very early on in the sequence of mankind that men begin to call upon the name of the Lord? Because that's the way God made us. He designed you and I to have an intimacy and a fellowship with Him that even when nobody stands up in the middle of a church service and says, you know, you ought to pray, men understood the need to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, granted, maybe they, it was one of the times when, like you and I, we call upon the name of the Lord too. Oh, garbage, look what's happening. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> you know? And maybe, maybe that's what happened back there in the fourth chapter of Genesis. It was a time of, you know, oh, 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 I need to call upon God, whoever he is, to fix this. But whatever, there was this internal thing that said, 
talk to God. Now, I told you that Deb and I have been doing a lot of talking, and I've been doing a lot of reflecting, and, and one of the things that has become a reflection for me in the last couple of days um, is my great desire, wherever desire is, okay, my great desire to be a servant of God. Now, that means a lot of things to a lot of different people, but, but you know, the term servant, I'm the slave, you're the master, I do what you say, and it's a, I want to be a servant of God, and the only way I can be a good servant of God is to remain in constant communication with the master, that's what I wanted. But I, I've realized the, how easy it is for me to make a transition from servant of God to executive of the church. And they're not the same. Servant of God cares about what the master cares about, does whatever the master says is important, uh, lets the master's priorities be the master's priorities. And I just abide by them. How do I know then that I've made this, this subtle transition into church executive? Because when I wake up in the morning, I go, God, thank you for another day. Help me do my best to serve you well. And that's the end of that conversation. And off I go, and the wheels are turning. If you get emails from me at 5.45 in the morning, and some of you do, it's because I've become an executive of the church. Because there's a whole lot of stuff that needs to be done today. And so the wheels start. Haven't got time, Lord. I'm sure glad you're there. Thanks for waking me up. You gave me another day. must have something you want me to do. And I'm going to get to it right now. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that's where God wants me to be. I'm not sure that's where I want to be. Sliding from servant of God to church executive. Maybe, maybe that's something you recognize. Well, I, I wish I could pray more. I should pray more. I would like to pray more. Wouldn't that be great if I could pray more? But we don't. We don't as much as we would like. Why? Because we're really busy living life right now. A story is told of a tourist that went to a village to, to pay a visit to a renowned wise man. And as he went through the village and came upon the place where the wise man lived, he was very surprised to discover that it was simply a room filled with books. There was a table and a chair and a bed, and that's all that was there. And the tourist was surprised and said, Sir, where is the rest of your furniture? To which the wise man said, Where's yours? And the tourist says, I, I, I don't have any with me. I, I'm only here for a short time. And the wise man looked at him and said, Me too. Folks, I get consumed with life in the flesh 
I, I'm 60, almost four years old. It's going very quickly. I, I, I wonder where did it go and what, how come I didn't do all the things I thought I might do? I told Deb the other day, I wish I was younger and stronger. And she said, why? <laughs> you know, why? Uh, so I could do all those things I thought I should have done. Okay. But th- this, is, this is life, and we think this is it. We talk about that out there, but we think this is it. And so, man, we are packing furniture into our house like crazy. And the wise man, where's your furniture? Where's yours? Well, I don't have any because I'm only here for a short time. Me too. Wow, if you and I were to shift our awarenesses and our priorities to that, I bet you life would be different for us. Now you think I'm talking garbage. You do. I hear you. You mothers over there are going, oh, mercy, he doesn't know my day. You're right, I don't know your day. People with responsibilities at work, two jobs to make it. No, I don't know. I just know I'm aware that God kind of agrees with the wise man that sometimes we have too much invested in furniture because we think we're here for a long time. And maybe a lot of the stuff we have, we don't really need. I guess for me was an awareness that prayer is often, Lord, I do what I can. How often do you pray, Jim? How, how often are you in communication with me? Well, Lord, I'm doing the best that I can. Look at my, look at my schedule. Sometimes for me, doing the best that I can if you read between the lines, is interpreted nothing. And I go, why? Probably because I've moved from servant of God to church executive. And there's a lot of things to be done for God instead of a lot of time to be with God. Nothing. If Dale, Pastor Dale were here, he would say this because he would be talking out of the Lord's, the passages of Scripture where the disciples say, Lord, teach us to talk to God. Teach us to pray. And Jesus says, oh, here's how you do it. Man, I'm glad you asked me because this is, this is so, so important. Uh, Jesus may well say, I know Pastor Dale would say as he approached that portion of Scripture, nothing, absolutely nothing is as important as taking time to be with God. And we know that but it's hard to put it on the deck plate. The woodsman decided that he was going to work at the mill in the new town to which he had arrived. And he went and told the foreman that he thought that he could do a pretty good job of cutting timber. And the foreman said, well, then let's see. And sent him out with the rest of the crew that day and gave him an area in which he was to do business. And the woodman, woodsman was very good and adept at what his skill set was. And that day, that day he cut down 18 trees. 18 he brought to be available to be used in the mill. The foreman said, that is incredible. No one has cut down 18 trees. That, that, that's amazing. I'm so pleased that you're part of my, part of my team. The man went home said, wow, this is great. I I love what happened here today. Um, I need to get to bed and rest because tomorrow 
I'm going to cut down 18 trees. And he got up the next morning, refreshed, and he went out to his area that had been assigned, and he cut 15 trees. And he was, he, he was tired, and he, he walked away from that day going, well, perhaps, perhaps I'm still tired. Uh, I'll go to bed at sunset. I'll get lots more rest, and then I'll come out and really apply myself tomorrow. I'll break my record of 18 trees. And he came out the next day and worked diligently and cut down nine trees. And the next day, five. And the next day, three. And one afternoon, he was struggling, exhausted, disappointed, and depleted to finish the second tree. He felt he'd better go explain it to the foreman. So he went to the foreman to share what had been happening over the last week. I'm trying so hard. I desire so much. I'm resting. I'm applying myself. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on. And the foreman just looked at him and said, when was the last time you sharpened your axe? To which the man replied, I haven't got time to sharpen my axe. I'm cutting down trees. Twice as much time, twice as much energy, half the result. I've known that story since I was a kid. It makes absolute sense to me. If I want to be the best woodsman I can be for God, I need to sit down and sharpen my axe. But that seems like such a waste of time when I could be out whacking trees. But the principle of the story is true, isn't it? The harder you work, the duller the axe, the less productive we are for Jesus. Sometimes we just need to sit down and sharpen the axe, even though it feels like not much is being done in that moment. John 17 25 to 26 is up on the screen. Jesus, in that chapter 17, we've studied 15 and 16 together. In chapter 17, it's, it's just a chapter of prayer. He prays for the world. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for you and me. Those of us who he says would, would come to faith in me without ever knowing me, but only hearing about me. That's you and me. And here's what he prays to his Father. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. Okay, that applies. That's good so far for us. We could pray that with him, O righteous Father, even though the world doesn't know you. Okay, Jesus knows you, and, and we know that you've sent him. Jesus continues, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus makes a commitment that evening he says, Father, 
I will continue to make you known. I will continue to make you known. Oh, I would really like it if Pat, you know, if Pat would come and ask to be known by me, you know. Pat saying, I need to go, I need to find God. I need to go talk to God. Because he's over there waiting for me to come talk to him. Uh Uh-uh. Because Pat knows that Jesus was sent by the Father. And Jesus says to Pat, I'm going to continue to make it known to you. I'm going to do that. Me. I'm going to continue to make it known to you so that you can know the love of my Father. We think prayer is about me going to God. And to some degree, we've got to say that it is. Okay, but there's an element I guess I think we're missing sometimes. That Jesus said, I'm going to come to you. Uh, Mario, brother, I'm coming to you. I'm going to continue because of the relationship you and I have. I'm going to continue to make the Father's love known to you. Would you sit with me for a while so I could do that? Prayer is not arduous. We think it's arduous. We think it's a lot of time, but it's just incredible to me to understand that Jesus watches you and I wake up in the morning and says, wow, good, Jim's finally awake. You know, now I have another opportunity to make the love with which the Father has loved me known to him. And we're going we're gonna to call that prayer. Huh. Hal and Ileana Worrell, good folk, apparently have watched me from a distance and, and see who I am. I hate that. So they, for pastor appreciation, they bought me a book. Okay. There's a lot of subtle things you can say by giving somebody a gift. <laughs> Mondays with my old pastor. Man, it's meant a whole lot to me. It's about a guy who wanted to be a servant of God and found himself becoming an executive of the church. And he was tired. And his wife said, you look tired. He says, I'm tired. Says you ought to go talk to your old pastor. Eighty-three years old, you know. And he goes on these Mondays to visit with this man who has pastored for a long time. Okay, so whoever's back there that can make that cross really bright, how about making that cross really bright? Because one of the things that the man discovered, he'll get there. One of the things that the young man discovered as he came to visit the home of the old pastor was that everywhere he looked, there was the shape of a cross. Some were really obvious. Some was a cross. The book covers that he had made to put on the books that were on the shelf had crosses. The bookshelves themselves were in the form of a cross. And the young man said, why do you do that? 
I, I notice, he said, you know, the old man says, I, I see you've noticed my crosses everywhere you look. I said, yeah, why do you do that? He says, because I always want to be in the shadow of the cross every moment, every day. Once upon a time, the old man tells this story. Once upon a time, near a river, there was a tree that loved a little boy very much. The little boy would often go and visit the tree. He would climb up the trunk, swing from the branches, eat its fruit, and then rest in its shade. After a long relationship of friendship, the little boy moved away, leaving the tree alone for a long time. Until one day, one good day, the tree looked off in the distance and saw the figure of the young boy approaching. Filled to the brim with happiness, the tree said to him, Come here, my friend. Climb up my trunk. Swing in my branches. Eat my fruit. Rest in my shade. Stay with me. The little boy who had now grown into an adolescent said to the tree, I'm not a little boy who just plays now. I've grown up now, and I need money to buy a lot of things. I'm sorry, the tree answered sadly. I, I don't have any money. But, but if you would like to, you could climb through my branches and pick my fruit. You could take it to the market and sell it. That way you could get money to buy what you want. The young boy didn't even let the tree repeat itself a second time. He climbed up into the tree and picked all the fruit. Almost bent over from the weight of it, he disappeared off in the horizon and was not seen again. The tree remained alone for a long time. Several years later, he saw his old friend approaching, and he was now a man. Filled with happiness, the tree welcomed him. Come here, my friend. Play with me as you used to. Hoist yourself up on my trunk. Swing in my branches. Stay with me. No, answered the man. I'm too busy to play. Now I want to marry and have children, but I need to build a house where I can live. I'm sorry, said the tree. I don't have a house for you. My house is the forest. But if you want to, you can climb my trunk and cut off my branches. With those, you would be able to build a house where you could live with your family. The tree didn't even have to wait for an answer. Soon the man disappeared off in the horizon, dragging behind him a mountain of branches, and he was not seen again. And once again, the tree remained alone. Many years later, he spotted the figure of a man off in the distance, and he recognized his old friend. Once again, he was filled with joy. Have you come to stay this time? Rest in my shade? Stay with me? No, said the man. I feel very alone, and I want to travel to a far-off country to meet new people. But I don't have a way to get there. I'm sorry that you're not happy. The tree said to the man, I, I'm not sure how to help you because there isn't much left of me. But if you want to, you may cut my trunk and make it into a canoe. A river flows nearby that could carry you to a land where you could find happiness. The man could hardly believe he had found a solution for his dream. So he set about to work and he built a canoe and he set off on his journey. The tree stump that was left remained alone for many long years. Until one day, the tree stump saw an old man slowly approaching in the distance. When the old man was closer, the tree stump could still see his in his face some vestiges of 
the little boy from so many years ago. With sadness in his voice, the small tree stump whispered, I'm sorry, my friend, but I don't have anything to give you. I don't have fruit to feed you, nor a trunk you can climb up in, nor branches for you to swing on. I appreciate that, answered the old man, but I don't need anything anymore. I'm only looking for a place to sit down and rest. Well, in that case, the tree stump answered happily, sit down on me and rest. And the old man finally stayed with the tree and found rest. We're too busy. We're just too busy. You're not too busy. I'm too busy to spend time with God as much as I say I want, but even more importantly, as much as he would like me to. He says, I will continue to make the love of God known to you if you would just be available to me. Okay, those are lots of words. And look, we have lots of time. And so... We're going to sing at the end a little bit. But right now, I would like to invite you to pray. Someone turns around, looks at the clock, looks at their watch, goes, oh, wow, it's only 9.52. We're going to pray for 20 minutes? I don't know, maybe we will. Jerry, how long do they pray in the Far East, brother? Stand up and tell us. Give a testimony to it, please. Would you? Listen closely. I haven't got a mic for him. You listen to Jerry talk about prayer in the Far East. countries, it's not quite so formalized and structured. But prayer is an important part of each day, far more so than us. And uh, I too identify with some of the executives and spend more time with God. Okay. Thank you, Jerry. So I'm just going to invite us. I know, I know the message this Sunday from Pastor Dale was going to be, is there a right way to pray? And you're really excited to come figure out what the checklist looks like. I don't know if there's a right way to pray or a wrong way to pray, but I know if we don't pray, it's wrong. So I'm just going to invite you to a season of prayer. For some of you, that, that might look like wandering up here and praying. For some, it might be kneeling because there's room in some of these rows to kneel. For some, you might stand to pray. You might lay down in the aisle to pray. 
I don't know what it looks like. Are we going to get some really cool music? No. I'm not going to give you music because music distracts you sometimes. I'm especially not going to give you music with words because then you'll be singing, which is good. Sing unto the Lord. But I want you to be uncomfortable for a moment and long enough to make the transition into God, Jesus. If you really do want to continue to reveal the love of God to me, then would you help me understand what that might look like this morning as I make myself available to you? Let's pray. Lord God, I don't know what you want to do with the next 5, 10, or 15 minutes. But I know this. I know that if I feel uncomfortable or useless sitting in a room with many people who have placed their faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior, if I feel uncomfortable sitting in a room for this period with these brothers and sisters and talking with you, then something really, really important needs to happen in the next few minutes. As we go along, I will throw out, if you will, I will speak perhaps a topic that you could focus on if the Lord is not leading you to a different place. Please pray for Paris.